We are in a series called Relationships that you are created to relate, that God has formed you, has created you uh, with the capacity, as a matter of fact, God would say the expectancy that you would be in relationships. Oftentimes we get in our biggest trouble when we get isolated outside of relationships. And so God has created you to not only have a relationship with each other, but to have a relationship with him as well. And as you know, as you go through relationships, the closer you get, the more propensity you have to be wounded. Okay? So if I'm in uh, the mall, okay, and somebody cuts in front of me and I don't really have a relationship with that person, I can get annoyed because I don't really have a relationship and I don't really know what kind of day they're going through or what have you. But if you have a relationship like parents or kids or a spouse or a significant other or what have you, you have the propensity to be wounded very, very deeply. Lisa and I started dating in high school, and um, so I, I was 16 or whatever, and um, I found her uh, very attractive. That has not changed, and uh, so I did what every strapping young, bold male would do. Like, I just did the manly thing, and I walked right up, right up to her friend, and I said, do you think she would go out with me? Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's called triangulation, and it's a beautiful way to start a healthy relationship. Uh, and so through a series of me dipping my toes in the water, her friend Tina finally got back to her, and she got back to so-and-so. And we were in high school. What are you going to do? And so we started dating. And, um, and then some weeks, I'd open my locker, and there'd be a note in there. And I would just be like, ooh, and I'd open it up and have hearts on it and maybe some flowers or something. And so I would get these notes, and I'd read them, and I'm like, oh, man. And, and then you'd read them, but you read into them too, you know, especially when you don't know, you know, you're just forming this relationship. So if Lisa were to say something like, while well, you're not the smartest guy at school, I still think you're very smart. I'm sorry. Wait. While I'm not the smart, so I'm so I'm stupid, right? You know, you ever done that? And immature, right? We were immature in immature relationships when relationships are just starting out. As you're learning how to communicate, you have these little offenses, and and they whatever, and you get over them, and you know you have your little spats or whatever, and you break up, and get back together again, break up, whatever. Okay, so you, you go through that. So. I was infatu- it was infatuation. I was infatuated with Lisa. Now, Lisa is my foundation. Like, my life and Lisa's lives are so intertwined. I count on that relationship for so much that now if I'm wounded, now if there would be a rock-solid offense, it would be against the foundation of that relationship. Lisa has the power to wound me probably more than anyone on the planet can. Now, you go, wow, this is really, really heavy. <laughs> okay, what I'm trying to get to you is that no matter what the relationship is, Seeing somebody at the mall for the very first time and they cut you off. Does anyone even go to the mall? Why do I say the mall? I haven't been to a mall in like 15 years at the store. Uh, Or a parent comes to you and says, we're splitting up. 
Like, with all of that, you and I have the propensity, because we're created to relate, to feel pain, to be offended. And Jesus talks about this. Jesus makes no bones about it. You will be wounded by another individual. It's coming or it already has come. There's no way around it. And so what do we do? Well, for a little thing, I wanted to bring out these scales. These, are, uh, these have been in my family for uh, many, many decades. And it was, the scales were actually built by uh, or made, crafted by somebody in our family. And, and, uh, and so when I was little, I used to play with these scales all, all the time. As a matter of fact, when my parents came to me when I was 10 years old, and they said, when, when we pass away, what would you like to have? To which I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, when we die, like, well, when are you dying? Like, no, 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 when we die, like, when we die, we won't, we'll be really old when we die. You're going to die? Like, what do you, you know, and so we got through that whole thing, uh, and then they wanted to know what I wanted when they died, okay? And so I'm 10 years old. I'm like, um, the scales, I guess. I've always liked to play with them, and so uh, just two weeks ago, my parents, who aren't dead yet, uh, say, say to me, I, I'm over at their house, and they're like, oh, we've got something for you. And I said, oh, sweet. <laughs> what is it? You know, the scales, and I'm like, what, what am I going to do with those? Well, you said, you said when we passed away, you would get the scales. And I'm like, you're dying right now? Like, <laughs> do I have to go through this again? Like, what, why do you keep doing this to me? Yeah. But you know, two things happened. One, I was like, I, and my first thought was, like, I don't care. I, I was 10 years old. But the second thing was, man, those bring back a lot of memories, these, these scales. Now, uh, what I would do is I'd put stuff in the scales, and I'd try to get the scales to be exactly perfect. So um, in my case, it was like, how many quarters does it take to equal a Hot Wheel? Okay, those, those would be my gauges, and I'd try to put as many things on so that, that they were o- always equal. And so, uh, because that, and, and again, I'm just a tad OCD, you probably already know that, but I would try to get them like equal. But here's the problem with these scales. Uh, they don't work. Okay, they're not like a true scale. You wouldn't go and, you know, put diamonds or gold on this to try to figure out how much it weighs. It's just, it just is a, a, a thing. It's, it's by its nature, it, it doesn't do just weights very well. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. By your very nature, By your very nature, you don't do justice very well. The reason I know that is because by my very nature, I don't do justice very well. And here's why that is. Because I, like you guys, are broken at my core. I'll show you where this ends up. I, I, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but uh, in an analogy or whatever, but I have three wonderful children. They've never do anything uh, that bad. And um, <laughs> one of them is what we call an instigator. I won't tell you which one, but she will... <laughs> 
she will start things. And it could be anything, just the tiniest little thing. Like if she knows that the escalator, because I have an instigator and an escalator, and we're keeping names out of it, but if he feels (laughs) disrespected, okay, he has to escalate it. So there's the instigator who'll just make a noise. Like, like even, even while she's eating, she'll just go. Because she knows he doesn't like that. So then he, and again, this was way back when they were like in their early 20s. Uh, he would have to do something. He, you can't, he couldn't just take it. Because he knew, he knows her heart. And she, he knows exactly why she's smacking. And then she would say, he would like throw spaghetti at her or something. Because he's an escalator by his nature. She's an instigator. He's an escalator. By the way, parents, God bless you for all that you do. And uh, so, so it, it would start ramping. Well, once an instigator gets escalated on, then they, they have to come back and get the scales right. Because here's how it would go. Um, I smacked at the table. Okay. He threw spaghetti at me. Okay, it, that's how the scaling works. And if it's like this, guess what I have to put on here to make it right? I have to punch him in the neck. That's, that's you can see how bad it is. And so I have to punch him in the neck just to get it back to even, right? It's not even. I just, all I did was smack. You threw spaghetti. All I did was punch you in the neck. Now in our home, the males are not allowed to even touch the females, look at them sideways. And so once the punch in the neck came, there had to be some other thing that just, that happened or something had to get broken or there had to be some massive thing. Why? Because I have an instigator and I have an escalator. And let me just tell you this, this morning, inside every single one of us is an instigator and an escalator. It all just depends on how it's manifested. And the problem we have at our core is we don't do justice very well at all. You've probably had this happen. Two people are in a massive fight. And maybe this has been going on in your family for years. And then you go to somebody and they're trying to figure out like, well, what what caused this massive disagreement? And it'll go back to some party or something that somebody said or I was pregnant and you said I looked fat or whatever, something. And it's just gone and gone and built and built and built and built. So what's the, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? We can't necessarily fix our brokenness, but my hope is that by the time we leave this morning, you'll have a different perspective and that you might get a certain freedom And the freedom isn't in balancing the scales. Okay, the freedom isn't to go, okay, I've got to learn just the right thing to make it even. The freedom will be to not have to have it be even at all. So let's take a look at what Jesus is talking about. We're in Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he says some incredible things because you have to understand for Jesus, his number one, he had several goals when he came down. But one of his number one goals was to give people on earth a kingdom perspective. So he'd say things like, hey, don't worry about today. I mean, don't worry about tomorrow. 
Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. A, a kingdom mindset goes, I'm going to worry about right now. That, that's what a kingdom mindset says. He, he made this one audacious statement just before what we're about to see. And he says, uh, he says, look, the kingdom of heaven is so important that if, if something's blocking you from seeing it, like your eye, like if there's something getting in the way of you seeing the kingdom of God right here, gouge your eye out. Now again, don't do that. But this is the point he's trying to make. If your hand gets in the way of you experiencing the kingdom of God in your life, cut that thing off. It's better that you don't have a hand than that you experience life just in this carnal, earthly, humanistic, perishable way. You can live life, you can understand life in a kingdom perspective. He says, he says Here, here's how crazy it is. If you have 99 sheep and one goes away, the kingdom of heaven is so focused on that one sheep that isn't experienced the kingdom of heaven. You just go, it's like a, it's like a shepherd that goes after that one sheep and brings it back in, into the kingdom. So in the middle of all this kingdom talk, because Jesus wanted to show his disciples and show those he was teaching how important a kingdom perspective is, uh, Peter asked this question. And now, why it's important uh, that Jesus is talking about the kingdom right here is that he wants us to be free. Jesus wants us to be free. So when Jesus, if you read something and, or you're reading the Bible or what have you, and it says not to do something, it's not to ruin your life. It's because God knows what that's going to play out to be in the long run and says, just don't even get started with it. And so he, that's the whole point is he wants you to be free. And here's what we're going to see from Jesus. Forgiveness, not justice, is the pathway to freedom. The pathway to restoration. Forgiveness, not justice. You could spend your whole life trying to get this thing so it just makes it so it's just perfect. And it's going to drive you crazy. He says, don't even worry about the scales. I'll worry about those. So here's what happens. Peter shows up. And he asks Jesus a question. He comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Remember last week I talked to you about that each, there was a rabbinic school, a school with a rabbi, and then you would join that, that rabbi, and so there was these different schools of thought, and we, I jokingly called the followers of the rabbi the rabbits, um, which sounds like rabbits, which now reminds me, just thank you all for asking about my possum situation at the house. Um, this morning I was out and it was still dark and I was in my car because I preached the sermon in my car so I don't wake the family up while I'm screaming. And, uh, and out comes the mom in the front yard with his like little scrunched up face and I, it, it trapped me in the car this morning for like five minutes. So um, 
I digress. Anywho, uh, and so there's these, these rabbits, these, these, these people who would ask the rabbi questions. And so Peter's doing his job to go, how many, you know, rabbi, how many times should we uh, forgive? Now, the, the, the main school of thought is, was three times. That would be the main rabbinic school of thought, that you would, you would forgive somebody three times and after that, you're done. So Peter does a pretty good job of either trying to like show off to Jesus. I don't know, maybe he thought, you know, Jesus is really hardcore. Maybe I'll pick a number that's bigger. And he picks seven. And Jesus answers right here. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, depending on your translation of the Bible, this could be read both ways. Either 77 a seven and then a seven, 77 times. That's what you're supposed to forgive. Or 70, seven times. That's 490. And so you're probably going to ask, well, which is it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Jesus is trying to make the point. It's not like you get an app called the 77 app and you're like sitting there going 56. Go keep talking. 57. How are you like that? And when it gets to 78, then you're off the hook. Jesus is saying there... Stop counting. You can't count. You can't count that much. And then he gives this example. And he says, he starts it off with, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. So what Peter asks is an incredibly deep question. How many times do I need to forgive? How many times do I have to forgive somebody when I'm wronged? And Jesus stops his whole basic sermon. And he says, this one I'm going to spend some time on because it's very, very important, especially as it relates to how you see the world. If you see it through kind of an earthly, humanistic lens, or if you see it through the kingdom of God lens, which is what Jesus wants you to do. So he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like... A king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, a bag of gold was called a talent, and it was basically worth a year's salary. Okay, so I don't know what any of you make a year, but let's just say you're just killing it right now and you're making 20 grand a year, right? Uh, no, let, let's just use $20,000 a year, like minimum wage, whatever that is, and we'll give that the number. We'll make the number low. So the year's salary, $20,000. So here's what the person owed the king. $20,000 a year's salary, 10,000 times. Jesus picks a number that, that the ancient world here didn't even have a word for. Billions. It's like $2 billion. And so in Jesus' narrative, remember Jesus is making this story up. Because he's trying to get us to understand, I'm going to try to break through your earthly ideas of how to respond. And I'm going to give you a new way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the example and I'm going to just take it to the moon. Somebody owed somebody else $2 billion. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him since he was not able to pay. This is really, 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 really important for us to see our woundedness through a kingdom mindset. 
he was not able to pay. Okay? Very important. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, this is kind of silly because I love my family. Totally love them. But $2 billion, you're going to need more than just my family to be thrown into prison if you're going to get that money back. Okay? $2 billion. And so the king says, off to, off to jail you go. Which I always try to place myself within the Bible. Can you imagine if you got a visa bill and, and, and you open it up and it's like, to whom it may concern, we have not received payment uh, for the last six months. Uh, we would like to put your whole family in prison. Uh, you know, love visa. You know, I don't know. Like, like that's, what's, that's what's going on right now. Now, a servant does what any of us would do. He fell on his knees before him. He said, be patient with me, he, he begged. This is so key. And I will pay back everything. What? Where are you going to get $2 billion? He can't pay back everything. He can't pay back half. He can't pay back, pay back a quarter. He can't pay back 10%. He can't pay back anything. He doesn't have the ability to flip the scales. It's impossible for him. And what the king does next would, is just shocking. Because you have a guy, at least, you, you know, you say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll work with you. Um, let's do uh, 27,000 easy payments of nine, like, whatever the number is. He, 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 this is what the king says. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Three things. He took pity on him, he canceled the debt, and he let him go. Now, We've seen people do the first one. I'm super sorry you can't pay for your car. It just hurts me. Oh, man. But we're taking it off with a tow truck. Okay? We're repossessing it. I'm, I'm really sorry you can't pay your visa bill. We'll do it. We feel really, really bad. But uh, you owe that money. Seeing pity is one thing. I've met people who took pity and canceled the debt, actually. But then internalize that debt and never let the person go. Never let the person forget about it. Never let it go. You might be in some families right now where when you go to a party at the folks house or whatever, you know there's going to be one mistake you made, one thing you did, you crashed the car, you set some drapes on fire, you, you're like whatever it is that you did that you know they might have taken pity on you and they might have canceled the debt, but they're never going to let you go. Jesus gives this other example. Pity, cancel, and then let him go. Let him walk out of the palace and go home and go, honey, you'll never guess what happened. The king, remember that gambling problem I had? Well, the king, you know, canceled it all. That's, that's what he does. Now, this is where it gets back to us. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which is actually still a lot of money. It's about 10 grand. So it wasn't just like some little thing. This was a big, this was a big deal. He owed him 
a uh, hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, all of us, well, here, let's move on. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Two things. One, it's almost exactly what the other servant said. The debt was less, but he still probably wasn't going to be able to pay that back either. If you took the two servants in your mind right now, you're supposed to be thinking, wait a minute. How come that guy can't forgive that guy when that guy's been forgiven so much? Jesus is trying to build a tension in your heart. He's trying to build a tension as you read the story to go, that is not fair. You owed all that money and they only owe you that. And you guys, I can't even believe it. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, the king's servants were watching all of this. And they thought what we thought. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Like you would. Because all of us can at least figure out from that story that that was not fair. But here's what we learn from the, what we call, and this parable is called, the unforgiving servant. It's impossible for us to pay, and it's impossible for us to determine value. Okay, I wrote it down this way. When my brokenness, when my brokenness combines with others' hurtfulness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. There's no way to value it. In other words, you, you hurt my feel. Maybe you talk to five different people and you say the same thing to each one. You need to stay in school. One person is like, takes it as motivation. I will stay in school. Thank you very kindly. The second person goes, you didn't think I was going to stay in school? What do you think? I'm a dropout? Is that, is that what you're saying? Right? Why? Because they're broken. They're brokenness. You touched on a wound. You had no idea. You had no idea. So this person reacts with, I can't stand that person. They, they, you cannot value. You can't create justice. It's impossible. I have this little wrist thing. And I carry it with me everywhere I go in my computer bag. It comes from a hospital. And um, it, it was from when Jesse, my son, had brain surgery. And so that whole time in our lives and that whole watching him go down the hallway and Lisa and I sitting there just helpless waiting for them to do brain surgery, uh, it was just such a huge deal and made such a big impact on my own life. That, and, and the fact that it was successful and that he hasn't had a seizure in years, uh, I, I keep that next to me. Now let's say you steal that from me. That thing's probably worth seven cents. Right? And you say, what's the big deal? It's a little piece of plastic. I'll buy you a whole roll. I went on Amazon. I bought you a whole box of them. How do you like that? You happy now? Of course I'm not happy now. Because I've valued something that you have no way to value. But see, because we're created to relate, it's all of us trying to figure this out all at the same time. How do we create Justice, when you combine my brokenness and your hurtfulness, it creates a debt that, that cannot be repaid. 
you wouldn't ever be able to pay that back. If you threw that away, you would be, never be able to pay it back. And then I'm left with a decision. How do I get justice? You could say, well, I apologized. My, thanks. Didn't help. I don't have the thing anymore. Well, I, I apologize. And we'll do this to each other too. You'll be talking to somebody and they'll say, uh, this person wounded me. And so you'll be talking to them because we, we never understand other people's woundedness as much as we understand ours. Have you ever done that where somebody's so angry and you're like, what's their big deal? Right? Because you can't value it either. And so you, some, that person will say, I just want them to apologize. Okay? They've, they've set up a value. I just want them to apologize. And then you say, well, I thought they did apologize. And then the person says, well, they didn't mean it. Okay, hold on, hold on, okay. So at first, to flip the scales correctly, they just had to apologize. And that gets it even. See, it's already bothering me now that it's not even. Uh, and it's like, oh, they apologize. Well, it still didn't go down because I don't feel better because I haven't been repaid. You can't be repaid. It's impossible. And so it says now, now for that to be repaid, they have to, they have to apologize and you have to read their heart and know they really meant it. And so you go through all these conversations and you find out they did apologize and they really meant it. And then the person adds to the weight on the other side. Yeah, but I had to ask him to apologize. Okay, so now, let me just get this straight. You have to ask him to apologize. They need to apologize. And they have to, you, you shouldn't ask him to apologize. They do apologize and they mean it. That's your new standard. Yes, well, it still doesn't make me feel any better. Okay, I, I, I'm out. But this is what we do to each other all the time. So here's what Jesus says. This is just incredible. And the master called the servant in, you wicked slave servant. I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had, I had on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Now then watch what Jesus says. And this, should, this is just incredible. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I'm sorry. What was that? That, okay, the master tortured the slave and this is how my heavenly father is going to teach. In other words, hi, let me just get this straight. If you wrong me and I don't forgive you, God's going to torture me? Now, as you read parables and as you understand that, what we call genre of the Bible, and we also understand what Jesus is doing, creating tension and creating extremes, and we know that the kingdom of God is all about your freedom. This is what we know from this verse. Stop torturing yourself. Stop torturing yourself. Let, let, let it go as best you can. Forget about justice. It's impossible to get justice. They cannot repay you. And you can't even come up with a solid way to be repaid. It's just the nature of all of us. You say, well, John, does that mean that anyone can just walk all over me? And I go, no, of course not. Jesus is not saying that you just become a doormat for everyone. That, that goes without saying. He doesn't even need to address that. What he's saying is, why carry around the burden of trying to figure out if it's exactly right? You will miss out on the kingdom of God that's in all of your relationships if you're trying to make it just. We cannot. 
Forgiveness, not justice, is the path to our freedom. Being able to forgive. Now, how do we, how do, we do that? Some, some of the things we've gone through in our lives, some of you lost a whole decade of your childhood because your parents couldn't make it happen or whatever the deal is. And, and it's like, man, I didn't have my parents together from the time I was 2 to 12 or whatever. It's impossible to get that back from the standpoint of it never had happened. But we can move forward from there going, Lord God, you are so rich in mercy. You are so forgiving to me. You know all the ways I've erred. You know all the ways I've fallen short. You know all the ways I've damaged people. You know all of my insecurities. You know all of my brokenness. And yet you say that debt has been paid. God, give me the strength to do the same for those who I haven't, haven't even wounded me nearly as much as I've wounded you. That's the kingdom perspective. That's the kingdom mindset. And so what I wanted to do before we take communion together, because communion really is the example of this happening. If I had to pick one example of forgiveness, one example that, that, that says, okay, if your circumstance is worse than this one, then you're off the hook. You don't have to forgive, okay? If I could just think of an example where it's like, I know, well, I know that'll never happen. It would be Jesus on the cross, completely innocent, never sinned, blood streaming down his face, crown of thorns on his head, nail-pierced hands, nail-pierced feet on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They don't, they have no way to assess value. They have no, they're, bro, they're broken people. And that's what communion is. Communion is that constant reminder. It says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Not just the death, but the, the, the example of life. The example of a kingdom mindset in the midst of earth, in the midst of people. God, help me to be the type of person that can go, you know what? As damaging as it was, as horrible as it was, I'm going to let him go. So here's just three things I do uh, that helps me. Three tiny little things. And I've, I even prayed this this week. I prayed these three things. The first is this. Help me, lo- let me, help me love them like you love them. You know what's fascinating to me, theologically, is that let's say your parents wounded you in a way that they cannot repay. Of course, they cannot repay. Let's say they've done that. That God, for some reason, was loving them even in the midst of that. Even in their sin. Now, he wasn't saying it's a good thing. He wasn't saying anything. But he, he can see the heart. He knows what's going on. He knows the brokenness. And so to be able to go, Lord, help me love them like you love them. You can pick your worst enemy. You can pick the person that I'm hoping you're thinking of right now because I'm going to have you do this exercise with them. The one that just wounded you. The, 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 the one. God loves that person. Doesn't love what they did, but he loves them. He loves them. He wants them restored. He wants them to have a relationship with him that is vibrant. He wants them to ask for forgiveness. He really does. But he wants us to forgive. So the first thing we pray is just, Lord, help me love them like you love them. Help me love my ex like you love them. Help me love that boss that was unfair and, and, and let me go. Help me love uh, the, 
uh, my parents who didn't treat me well. Help me love whatever it is. Fill in the blank. Help me love them uh, like you love them. And then let me see them as you see them. Because one of the reasons God is able to love us so much is he sees us for who we are, what our potential is, and also what our damaged goods are. The reason we lash out sometimes is maybe from something from our past, from our insecurities. Just seeing us for the broken vessel that we are. Because he knows where to repair that. So help me love them like you love them. Help me see them like you see them. And then this might be the hardest one of all. Bless them. Bless them. Now, when we think of blessing, we think like, man, if my worst enemy, if I turned on the news and that dude won the lottery, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'd do. That's not how, what God sees as, as blessing. What God sees as blessing is shalom, universal flourishing. It's where your damaged parts get healed. It's where your insufficiencies get fulfilled by God. Bless him. Help restore them. Help them to get to a place with you that's, that's, that's shalom, that's universal flourishing.